you know, no matter how long you live, probably there are periods of time in our life that all of us would say, hey, listen, we need to start over again. We've crashed, we've burned, some disastrous thing took place. I need a new start. Now, the great news this morning is that we serve a God who knows how to do that for us. Sometimes we need a new start when our lives become broken of no reason of ourselves. We just were victims of circumstances and we had no control over what was going on, but it was going on around us. It's good to know that we have a God that can pick us up, put us on the path again, and continue to give us a life worth living. Such is the story of Ruth in the Bible. In chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. I've written in my Bible, the hero. Boaz is the hero of the book of Ruth. Even though whenever you think about Ruth, you think, boy, Ruth is the centerpiece. Uh, The story is essentially about her, but without him, her story would never come to a grand conclusion. Boaz is the hero of the book of Ruth. Verse 2 says, Ruth the Moabite has said to Naomi, please let us go to the field and glean heads of corn after him in whose sight I may found favor. If you remember from last week, and if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to catch up. I think the, the message is on the Internet, on our, in our website. I want you to catch up on the story because you need the background. Uh, Ruth uh, and Naomi came back from Moab, uh, two widows. And uh, now they're starting life over again in the Holy Land, Israel. And this is uh, it's going to be Ruth's first day on the job. Can, can you remember your first day on the job, how afraid you were? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to fall flat on my face? Will I make a big, giant mistake? Well, she's going out for the first day of the, on her job. And uh, she's going out to do what she was destined to do, and that's be a gleaner. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened. And I've underlined the word happened there because that's so characteristic of the story. Somebody would read this story and say, boy, she had a stroke of good luck. She was having a good luck day. But we'll see in a minute that that's not so. On the surface, this is what it looked like. It looked like it just happened to be a part of the field which belonged to Boaz. Now, remember, he's the hero of the story. And he was of the family of Elimelech. We believe that Boaz and Elimelech were cousins. But remember, at this time, Elimelech is dead. He died. His family moved from Israel down to Moab, and Boaz up and died in the family. And left Naomi... uh, Essentially, without provision. 
back in that culture, the provision of the family was always laid upon the man. And when the man was gone, the family around them, their, their immediate family, pitched in and helped. It was a family venture. And so Ruth was going back up to Bethlehem to maybe to find some family members who would help her out in her dilemma. In verse 4 it says, Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. It just so happened again that Boaz shows up who is the hero of the story. And he announces to his workers, The Lord bless you. How would you react if you went to work tomorrow and your boss said that to you? You'd have a heart attack, wouldn't you? The boss comes in and he says, hey, listen, all you workers, the Lord bless you today. You'd wonder what's going on. And what happened is when he did that, the workers reciprocated and they answered him back, well, the Lord bless you. I just want to tell you that I want you to have a blessed day in God as well. Verse 5. Then Boaz said to a servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Boaz says, listen, I see a new person on the field today. Who is that? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, it is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean among and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she gathered and has continued from morning until now, though she did take a small rest in the house. He said she came in. She asked permission to reap. I said, okay, or to glean. And uh, she was working, and, but she did take a little break. They had a little shelter there where people would stop and try to get out of the sun for a while and recover from the heat and go back out to work. In verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? He calls her his daughter. I'm sure that was a shock to her. Because if you were living in Israel at this time and you were from Moab, uh, you just didn't get a lot of conversation from the natives. Uh, Do not go to glean in another field nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? He said, I've put the word out to the young men on the field. Don't you even think about it. I'm protecting you, Ruth. And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. She's really overwhelmed with his goodness in verse number 10. The scripture says, So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? She was surprised. She never dreamed her first day on the job would go like this. Usually it doesn't go like this. Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? I'm a foreigner. I was reading a little article one time about Ann Kimmel. Ann Kimmel was an American who went, was a missionary to Hawaii. Now that would be a great mission field to go to, wouldn't it? Wow. It sounds good, but you know, when she went, she said she felt so out of place because she was from America and she was in this Hawaiian culture and she just didn't fit in. And so no matter where you are, if you're coming and you're a minority, uh, you wish you were of the majority, no matter, no matter how that works. 
Verse number 11 says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And now you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to the people whom you did not know before. And the Lord repay you your work with a full reward. You've come to dwell under his wings as a way of refuge. Now, Naomi and Ruth are here starting their life over again. And I wish that I knew, not because I, I'm all that curious, but I wish that I knew today how many people in this church this morning are trying to start your life over again. Well, listen, I wouldn't be surprised that there's quite a few here. She lost her means of support. She lost the three loves of her life. Her husband and her two sons. Now, that's more than anybody could ever dream to bear. Uh, And now here she stands back in her homeland, poverty stricken and widowed. And she came back in. And and when you were reading chapter one, I know you came to verse number 19 up there where she came back into town and she said, Somebody said to her, is this Naomi? It's almost like a surprise. Like, is this the person who left? She said, listen, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Lord's dealt bitterly with me. I went out full and I came home empty. You know, uh, she's been gone 10 years or more. You know, lots of things change in 10 years. Have you ever... uh, Seen some of your classmates in high school after 10 years and you've said, my, what happened to that guy? Or, oh, me. And meanwhile, they're saying the same thing about you. That person doesn't look like they used to in high school. We change physically. But, you know, oftentimes the greatest change is emotionally. Uh, I remember not long ago I was at a funeral home in, nearby and I knew that, you know, we see all of our friends there now, don't we? People we've known through the years. And I remember this one person came into the funeral home and I thought, boy, this is really great because I've known this person in the past. And this person is always up and always happy and just so delightful to be in their presence. And I saw this person walk into the funeral home and they didn't look that way. This person looked bitter and mad and had no smile, and there was no happiness. and It was such a shock to me, I couldn't believe it. But it's been a long time. Uh, She came back, and she's been through a lot. She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. And now she comes back to try to scratch out a living somehow in the dirt. And she said, I don't believe that she was bitter with God. I believe she was just saying, I've experienced a bitter situation. Because I think as you see the story unfold, she's not bitter with God. But what she does here is she finds a new Savior for Naomi and Ruth. Now, I use the word Savior not in the sense of the Savior Jesus Christ, but I use the word Savior in the sense of a physical Savior, somebody who comes to the aid of someone else in a critical time of their life. There are probably people in our church today, you could stand up in front of a friend and put your hand on their shoulder and say, listen, you saved my life. And that could be very true. There are people in our lives that God puts there from time to time that just is there at the right time to save our life. 
Now, here's Boaz. He's going to play this role right here. He is the relative of Elimelech who had died. And Boaz's name means, in him is strength. Let's say that together. In him is strength. That's Boaz. Now, how does she meet up with this person? She comes back into town. She heads out for work. How does she meet up with him? Well, God is orchestrating these events. She turned her back on her past. I think that throughout life, we have to make a determined decision to turn our back on the past. We really do. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 is a terrific verse. Let's read it together. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul says, listen, there's one thing I'm doing, and then he mentions two things, because he wants us to do both of those things at the same time. He said, I'm going to forget those things which are behind. I'm turning my back on the past, and then I'm going to reach forward into the future. I'm going to look forward to the future. That's what Ruth did. Ruth turned her back on her idol's in her old country of Moab, and she said, I'm going to go serve your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going into the future. I want to encourage you today, if you're trying to start your life over again, that's what you have to do. You can never go forward, and I know you know this, looking in the rearview mirror. You can't go forward thinking about the past and beating yourself up for what's happened in the past. Now, She turned her back on the past, and now she goes to work. Work is a good thing. I read uh, in a commentary on the book of Ruth that sometimes a generous farmer would sometimes leave as much as 25% of his land unharvested for the poor people of the land. He would tell his workers in the morning, you go out and bring in the harvest, but only bring in three quarters of it. Leave a quarter behind. Now, turn with me to the book of Leviticus, please. Just a few pages to the left from where you are. Leviticus chapter 19. I want to show you this again. I I brought it to your attention last week, but you need to see this just one more time. In Leviticus 19, verse 9 and 10, God has made this provision for poor people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, Don't dig in the corners, nor shall you gather the gleanings of the harvest. You shall not glean your vineyard, you shall, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger or the poor and the foreigner. This was God's system to feed the poor in that day. Now, Ruth qualified under both of these things. She was poor and she was a foreigner. So this was her lot in life. She was going to go out and work for a living. She was going to dig in the dirt. But somehow God provided for people like that. Now, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, very something important about work. Let's read this together. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. This is God's principle. If you want to eat, 
get up and go to work. Now, I know that there are exceptions to that. I know that some people are not physically able to go to work. And I know that in some cultures, people look and look and look and can't find a job. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't eat. That means that somebody else needs to come to their aid if they fall into that category. But if we're healthy and we can find a job, the Bible says, hey, listen, go to work. Now, work is a good thing. It really is. When God constructed Adam in the garden, you know what he said first? Go to work. He said, I want you to go into this garden and I want you to take care of it. I'll tell you what, it feels good to go to work. It really does. There are people all over that said, we're just thinking now, I wish I could go to work. I wish I could go and make something of work for myself. Well, how did she find this field? Look at verse number three again. Uh, We're back in Ruth chapter one. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field. It just happened that way, happenstance. Somebody would say, well, Ruth just had a stroke of good luck. She made a decision one day, though, to put her hand in the hand of the God of Israel by faith. And listen, when you do that, let me say this today, things happen. When you get up in the morning and say, okay, God, here we go. Take my hand. Guess what God will do? He'll take your hand. And he will lead you throughout that day if you are submissive to his will in your life. For instance, Proverbs 16:9 says this. Let's read it. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, this verse fits perfectly with our story. Ruth got up. She had a plan. I'm getting up, I'm getting out of this house, I'm going to work. And so the Lord directed her steps. Here's another good verse. Uh, Psalm 37:23. I like this a lot. Let's read it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. When we surrender our life to the Lord to be led by him, I'll tell you what, that's what he wants to do. Remember the psalmist says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God wants to lead us. Now, the interesting thing here is she just happened to find the right field, the hero of the story. And Boaz shows up to work in verse number four. He announces, the Lord is with you. Uh, Ross Haney and I the other day were out at Chick-fil-A doing our favorite thing, weren't we, Ross? Investing... uh, Chicken in the ministry. And uh, Ross is sitting there and saying, hey, I hear Christian music. Well, I'm not into Christian music. I wouldn't know. But he is. And so uh, he says, that's Christian music where he's playing on the intercom or the Internet or (laughs) whatever he's playing it on. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming out the speaker. (laughs) Joanne says, don't get off your notes. You all get goofed up. So anyway, the the Christian music is coming over the speaker here. And I thought, man, that's just like Boaz. You know, when you own the company, you can come and say, hey, listen, the Lord be with you guys today. And that's what you were doing, right? There at Chick-fil-A. Well, Boaz is the, the, the hero of the story. I want you to notice a few of his characteristics. First of all, he was kind to his workers. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. It pays to be kind to your workers. 
Ephesians 6, 9 says this, and we use this verse and we apply it to employers and employees. And let's read it like that, okay? And you masters do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Uh, if you're an employer, the Lord says, listen, you better treat your employees right because you have an employer in heaven, and that's the Lord, and he's watching over you. Uh, his workers blessed him back, and he began to instruct Ruth. He said, now here are the ground rules in verse 8, my daughter. Now this floored her because she wondered how he could respect a reject, because no one else around did. Now I think already you're picking up the thread of this, aren't you? Boaz is a mighty picture of God or Jesus. And Jesus looks down into this world at people that other people don't respect. And he treats them with respect. Isn't that cool? She was blown away with this. He protected her. He said, listen, I told these men, don't you even think about it. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encircles those who fear him and he delivers them. Whenever we put our hand in the hand of the Lord, we have God's protection in our life. I told you before one time I had a friend who was in Bible college with me who used to, was studying to be a missionary. And it was a strange thing because the Vietnam War was really heating up, and he told all of his friends that he wanted to be a missionary to Vietnam, and we thought, my, you're crazy, something's wrong, something's not working right in your head. And he said, listen, if I am in the will of God, God will protect me in Vietnam. If God has a purpose for me to exist. And so here we have this young woman in essentially a dangerous situation. And Boaz says, listen, I have put out a decree that you will be protected. And then he began to dispense even more grace upon her. And look at verse 10, chapter 2 of Ruth. She fell on her face down to the ground and said, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? I am a foreigner. He just kept pouring out blessing after blessing. And he gave the glory to God in verse 12. You know, we point, to, we point to Boaz and we say, boy, he's the hero of the story. And Boaz says, listen, the real hero of the story is God. God is the real hero. Boaz was just being used as a channel of God's blessing. And so he gives the glory to God. And then he says, this is interesting, verse 12, The Lord repay your work with a full reward be given you by the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now, this is, metaphor is used throughout the Bible, under his wings. Remember the old song we used to sing, Under his wings we are safely abiding. Uh, there's nothing so precious as uh, a bird who has its wings spread out and its little Baby birds underneath those wings. And, and that was a sign. That means that you can't get these little babies. You have to take me out if they're going to go. 
And so that's the image that God sets in the Bible for you and me. When we come to the Lord, He puts His wings around us. Psalm 91, verse 4, I believe we have that. Let's read this. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, protection. Under His wings... You know, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, I love this statement. And he looked down over the city of Jerusalem. You know what he said? He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to, to her. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus said, listen, I wanted to take you under my wings, but you wouldn't come. Another thing he does here for Ruth is in verse number 14, he invites her to his table. He didn't set her out and say, listen, you're on probation. You work hard. You get in the union. You can come and sit with us. He said, listen, come on right here and sit down and enjoy the good things that I prepared for you. Now, this is interesting, this story, because, because this is Ruth's first day on the job. And it's not supposed to go this way, the first day on the job. And so she just keeps getting this blessing after blessing after blessing. And it reminds me of Ephesians 3.20. And I want to encourage you to learn to memorize this. Let's read it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us. Now look at that. Exceedingly, abundantly above. That's pretty high. Everything you ask. Now all of us are pretty good askers, aren't we? How many people here, you would classify yourself as a good asker? Would you raise your hand? Okay. We know how to ask God for things. We really do. But he says, listen. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or even think according to the power that works in us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, is God sometimes just blows us away with his blessing. It's just like, wow, isn't this incredible? We, Ruth was probably praying, Lord, give me a good day. Help me to come back with enough for me and Naomi. Just help me. I, Lord, I don't know where to go. And this whole explosive blessing surrounded her. And she finds herself, in verse number 14, eating a meal that's prepared for the other servants. And the Bible says she was satisfied. Now, if that's not enough, you might say, boy, stop, you're overwhelming me. That's, I bet that's the way she felt. Please, no more. I just, this is too much. This is too good to be true. Now, if this is not enough, I want you to notice what else he said in verse 16. And let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. He said to his servants, when you go out and gather grain, I want you to take some and drop it on purpose for her. 
And so here they went. They were out gathering in the grain and the workers were like throwing it down. And she's going along saying, wow, look at that. Man, she swooped it up, put it in her basket. She is becoming loaded down with blessings on purpose. I submit to you that that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you blessings. He wants to give you blessings that you can pick up in life and say, Lord, this is too much. Now, we already have a lot of blessings in life like that, don't we? If you are saved and your sins are forgiven, I'll tell you what, it's too much, isn't it? We could stand and praise the Lord for the rest of our days and say from the bottom of our heart, Lord, this is too much. You have done too much for me. Well, just one more thing I'll add on to this whole list. He told her, listen, you have a permanent job. You know, usually when somebody goes out and work, they become a temporary employee. The employer just wants to see if you can walk and chew gum at the same time, if you're not a troublemaker. He said, listen, I just have a job for you the rest of the harvest. Don't even think about going into anyone else's field. I'm employing you for the rest of the harvest time. Now, her heart is ready to explode because of the blessings that Boaz has given to her. And so she comes home and she begins begins to tell the story of her day to Naomi. Uh, You know, I can think that whenever Naomi saw her coming, uh, she said, listen, tell me about your day. And she began to explain all the blessings to Naomi. Women like to tell each other about their days. They really do. Women, do you ever ask your husband, how did your day go? You're shaking your head no. It's not pretty, is it? How did your day go? What are we eating? What's for dinner? Well, didn't you have anything good happen today? Where's the remote? It's not, it's not fun. Ladies, they, do, they, they like to communicate. They like to talk about their day, you know, go on and discuss the day. And so, and so that's what happened here. And you can read it and check me out. And Naomi was excited in verse 20. says, listen, uh, she said to her daughter, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness. Uh, Ruth said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all the harvest. Oh, man, this is a dream come true right here. She got a job, a full-time job. She came home with a load of food for Naomi and her. Listen, it was all because of faith. Faith. She put her hand in the hand of the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know where you're taking me, and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm willing to trust you and follow you. Now, when you do that, this is what God does for you. He gives you handfuls on purpose. Throughout your life. Handfuls on purpose. Now, Boaz, I know you've already discovered this, is a type of Christ. 
What Boaz did for Ruth is what Jesus does for us. In him is strength. Uh, Boaz was that one like Christ, full of grace and truth. Naomi is a type of Israel who left the land of blessing and went down to Moab and forfeited her joy. Uh, Joanne and I just not long ago went to see the movie Defiance. How many people saw that movie Defiance? It's the story of three Russian brothers, Jewish brothers in Russia during the Holocaust. And they, they saved, they were responsible for saving 1,200 Jewish people from the Holocaust. And they brought them into the forest. And they lived in the forest for three years. I was so impressed with the movie that I came back and bought the book, The Bilski Brothers. I'm reading now Schindler's List. And I'm just taken back with the atrocities that a human could heap upon another human being. Blows my mind completely away. Naomi is a type of Israel who left the land of blessing and forfeited their joy. Israel did leave the land of blessing and they did forfeit their joy. And they've been wandering for a long time. Ruth is a type of the Gentile that's received into God's family and known as his daughter. And you and I are like Ruth. We were foreigners in a far land and the Lord came to us and said, Listen, I want you to be a part of my family. I'll take care of you. I'll give you a field in which you can work. I'll give you food. I'll provide your needs for you. And so Ruth is a picture of you and me today. Uh, They started life over. Naomi got a new chance. Ruth got a new chance. Because they didn't quit. And they didn't give up on God. I love Matthew 6.33. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you. No matter where you are today, I want to encourage you to apply that to your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put your hand up in the hand of the Lord and say, Lord, I know the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I want you to order my steps. Take me out into the world. Lead me step by step. And if you do that, I think you'll be surprised to look down every now and then and find a new blessing, handfuls on purpose. And every now and then be blown away with God's blessing in your life. And I do know one thing for sure. That once you start working in Boaz's field, you'll never have to go to another field. There's always enough work for you and me to do in life. Did we ever retire in the Lord's work? Do we ever say, listen, the harvest is in? No. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And so one of these days you may have to give up your secular job, but I'll tell you what, you'll never have to give up your spiritual job. As long as you live, there's a job for you to do in the field of the Lord, bringing in the harvest, bringing it in. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed this morning in prayer, I'd like to uh, 
invite especially those who are starting their life over to put your hand in the hand of the Lord and say, God, I want to be just like Naomi and I want to be just like Ruth. Uh, I went out full and now I'm empty. I'm not giving up on you, God. I just want you to open the next chapter of my life. I'm willing to follow you. I won't give up. I know you've blessed me. You've saved my soul. And that's the most important thing in life. But now I want to work in your field. I won't quit working. I want to be one of your laborers, Lord. How many people in our church today would say, Pastor John, I I need a new start. I, I need... Maybe it's not earth-shaking, but maybe you just need a new start. I'd like to pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand for prayer wherever you're seated in the church? Just slip it up. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. I need a new start. Yes, God bless you. Dear Lord, I pray for these that need a new start today. You're the God who gives us new starts. You're the God we can come to with our broken lives and lay them right down in front of you and watch you heal them right in front of us. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us as we hold up our hand to you, our weak hand, to feel your great strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.